The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Wadner. Here, as always, with my co-host, Will Lomas. We are here to talk about the Titans' season and how it ended and talk about their future uh, as a franchise going into the offseason. Uh, they ended up losing their winning in the game against the Jaguars, which at this point feels like forever ago, honestly. Uh, it, it happened only a week ago, I think. Uh, but yeah, it feels like so much has happened since then, but they end up losing that game. They go on a seven game losing streak, uh, to end the season in, in brutal fashion. I mean, seven, seven and three record to, to seven and 10 is, it's not unheard of. I like it's, I think it's happened before. I, I assume it's happened before. Uh, but just a, a rough, a, a rough stretch, uh, and it ends up, with the Titans out of the playoffs and with their future very much uh, in limbo, they the good news is that they'll have the 11th overall pick in the draft, and we'll talk about uh, their plan for the draft uh, in a little bit and, and probably in future episodes. But, Will, what were your thoughts after that game? I, I'll, I'll be honest. like A part of me, uh, once John Robinson got fired and it seemed like the Titans were like in a really bad place, uh, as a team uh, during this losing streak, I was just like, you know what, let's let's just lose out, get, get a better pick in the draft, and, and try to you know rebuild going into the future. But once this game came around, it was a win and in keeping the Jaguars from the playoffs. I was like, you know what, man, I, I want to win this. Like Josh Dobbs, a quarterback, sign me up. I'm in. I'm putting on my Titans hat again. Let's win. Let's get to the playoffs. Who knows what can happen. Uh, but then just, just pure heartbreak, which is what we've come to expect from the Titans uh, with that fumble return for a touchdown after Josh Dobbs had played a, a really good game uh, outside of uh, that deep interception that he had. Uh, I can't remember who he targeted, but yeah, it was just a very sour end 
uh, to that game and to the season. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it. I think both of us at different times had talked about how it, whether it was three games in the losing streak or five games or whatever, it just felt like the team had just any sort of hope they had of doing anything in the playoffs would just disappeared because, you know, losing to Nico Autry for four weeks or whatever, that sucks, but you can get over it. You know, Tannehill in the middle of the season, like when you, when you have seven wins stacked up, it's like, that sucks, but you can, you know, you can figure it out as long as you get him back. And then you go through and it's like, Ben Jones, another concussion, you know, same thing. Nate Davis, that's, you know, it's like, and you go David Long, I think missed the last five games of the year. So it's like, you have these guys and you're like, well, you know, if those guys can come back, it's the same thing we were telling ourselves last year. So you kind of talk yourself in because, you know, I, I don't care what anybody says when this team is healthy. And I know it's impossible to remember that because the last two years they have depending on who you ask, it's either the player's fault and they just haven't committed themselves enough to staying healthy or it's the training staff and they're just, you know, not bad at their jobs, but whoever you want to blame, they just haven't been out there. But the roster entering the season was a talented roster and it was last year too. And, you know, they were much more talented than this. So when you talk about getting guys back from injury and, you know, whether you like Mike Rabel or not, like he does seem to get guys to perform if they have to step up and fill in. Like, I don't know how much he elevates them long-term, but he does give you those passable games from guys like Chris Jackson and Trey Avery and, you know, uh, Gibbons and, you know, like uh, just those guys that, you know, we see the Titans plug in. So it, it felt like, okay, they can, you know, they can maybe make a run, but, Honestly, like the the second that the game was over, well, I'll say the second after Jeffrey Simmons had his emotional like post game kind of conversation with the media where he talked about getting his ankle shot up since week eight. Like a, as soon as I, I was done being, you know, kind of heartbroken for him, you realize how much of a blessing it is. Like, and we can talk about Todd Downing in a second, but I, I just I'm not I'm not convinced that the Titans go into this off season with the open mind and with the clarity that they need, if they win any of those games and if they make the playoffs, like this felt very much like a team that if they kept winning, things were going to keep getting covered up and things were going to keep get, you know, there was going to be more and more excuses instead of results. And you either disagree or you don't, uh, you know, at this point, like everybody's got their opinion based on everything we've seen, Vrabel and company do I expected them to just run it back if they made it in the playoffs but that's not what happened because they had the second worst losing streak in Tennessee Titans history if if I remember correctly so l- luckily they completely failed instead of partially failing and now they end up with the 11th pick you know there's there's clarity about some guys who didn't stay healthy like Bud Dupree and you know those guys where they were kind of you could tell their impact when they were on the field, but they needed a strong season to kind of convince everybody to say, okay, you're worth the money that you're going to make compared to what we could use that for. And so uh, there's, there's a clarity to it when you lose seven in a row that, that sort of helps and makes the off season easier, but more important than anything, just getting rid of Todd Downing is a a massive win. I mean, it's more important than going to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, 
Well, I didn't mention it, but as you just mentioned it, Todd Downing uh, obviously got fired, as every Titans fan knows. Keith Carter, the offensive line coach, also got fired. So did Anthony Midget, the secondary coach. And Eric Frazier, who I think was uh, offensive skill assistant, whatever that means. I don't know. But um, those are the guys that are out from the coaching staff for now. There could be more changes. Uh, personally, I think uh, the special teams coach ha- has to leave. Uh, he's this, But you know what? He's he's always dealing with players that aren't even supposed to be on the team uh, to begin with. So I guess he could get a, a little bit of a pass uh, for that. But. Thankfully, Downing is gone. I think he should have been gone a year ago. Same with Carter. Like, we, we've talked about Carter. I think we only thought he was a good coach after he who, – who were the tackle? I can't even remember. It was Kevin Pamphiel, uh at right tackle. No, 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 no. Pamphiel was a ghost. It was Dennis Kelly and oh, – okay, uh, okay. And, uh, oh, it was Sembrello at first, and then it was Quest right, 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 left. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, which is which is a like looking back on it, like, you know, Dennis Kelly, like I, I still would argue that he's fine, but clearly he's worse than what uh, Arthur Smith was able to kind of create for him. And Sambrello's out of the NFL completely because he got fed up with Keith Carter and uh, Questenberry is like a backup for the Bills, who's not very good, who was ter- like it. It's it's one of those things where you think a guy's like you said like we thought he was a passable coach after you know two or three bad years to start and then you look back on it and you're like no that was somebody else doing all the heavy lifting and making those guys look better. Yeah, I mean, who developed under him? Nate Davis for like a season maybe not even. and not because even, like right? think about it. Yeah, it's like last year was like his most disappointing year and we we're like, yeah. oh skinnier in camp now like he's gonna you know he's gonna make a big impact and he was you know he was he was good like he was he was good but you know he's injured you know again riddled with injuries and I'm sure part of that is because he got down to a smaller weight and guys who are bigger that get down to a smaller weight seem to get injured more and that's not a scientific study but that you know everybody seems to get injured more when you look at the titans but that feels like something that happens a lot is when guys try to change the size that they naturally are at for whatever reason they end up dealing with more injuries or they don't have the same explosion or whatever so when he was playing he was good but you know again he missed injuries but even then like i i don't know that he's as good as he was in 2020 like that that was the year he no. the pro bowl that and, was his best year for sure yeah yeah uh yeah i just like no one developed under him and like we can we can call out Vrabel all we want for, you know, Radunz, uh not starting, but I'm sure Keith Carter had a lot of input in those decisions as well. I'm sure Vrabel trusted uh, him to make the right evaluations in terms of offensive linemen and who should be playing and who should be playing where. And every time Keith Carter got asked about Radens, he was like, oh, he's a guard. He, he's, he's absolutely a guard. But every time he's played tackle, he's fine. So I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of blame to go around it, and him getting fired really wasn't too much uh of a shock and there was always miscommunications no matter who was in there um especially in pass protection like it was it was it was bad like they needed they needed to make a change there no doubt obviously the biggest change is is Todd Downing getting fired well let's talk about midget I don't know we don't really have to talk about Anthony midget too much but similar to to Carter in the offensive line there was 
too many miscommunications in the secondary. And I know there was a lot of turnover, a lot of defensive backs coming in and out uh, due to these injuries and, and due to other factors. But the, the secondary was it sucked, man. Like it was not good this year. Uh, and there was still talent there for most of the season, at least. But, man, they, they were getting cooked at, at a pretty consistent uh, level. And, and even in this Jaguars game, they were letting guys run free. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, no one really developed either. I, I would say McCreary didn't he, – he wasn't great this year. And, and I didn't see any improvement over the, the course of the season. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think the midget thing was, was fair. Um, obviously, I don't want anyone to lose their job except for Todd Downing because, you know, whatever. But, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Downing. I, I mean, we have talk, we've talked about him so much this year. I don't know what else we could say, but, yeah, I, I think the, the, the blessing in disguise to, to, to the Titans missing the playoffs is, is that Downing got fired immediately and the Titans can take their offense in a new direction or, at the very least, if, if Rabel and the new GM – want to keep up this run first type of mentality, which I think is a bad idea. I don't think that's how you win uh, in the NFL. But if they do want to keep that uh, going, at the very least, get an offensive coordinator coordinator who has any any feel uh, for play calling and actually understands the rhythms of the game because Todd Downing had just nothing, man, just nothing. He would, he would have a good drive with good play calling, a good balance of – you know, running, play action, uh, play action slants, you know, that kind of stuff. And then the next drive, he would come out with these, you know, Malik Willis end around trick plays, just the worst timing, the worst feel for when to call certain plays, for when to run the ball, when to pass the ball, and the predictability of just run, run, pass, uh, or run, 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 punts, or running on first down every single time, even though the box is like nine defenders crowded. I'm glad that's done. I really, I don't think the, I don't think the next offensive coordinator could be worse. I, I really don't. Yeah, it'd be tough. I, I mean, he, like, he was worse than Robisky, right? Like, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Robisky had teams that weren't particularly talented. Like, you know, oh, this is a team that over the last two years, at different points, has had. Derek Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Chigakonkwo, Traylon Burks. Um, they, they they had Josh Reynolds, who's a perfectly capable number two or three receiver in Detroit, you know, one of the best offenses in the NFL. But they couldn't find a spot for him here because he didn't play special teams or whatever, whatever that deal was. You know, like, you know, Hilliard's been there, who Hilliard was good, you know, this year when given chances. But it's just like for the last two years, just painstakingly predictable. Like, you know, everybody knows first downs or runs. We've talked about that. You know, my uh, for the last 18 months, I've said all you have to do is blitz on run blitz on first down. And you may be wrong once, but you won't be wrong twice. And then you got the Titans in second and 12 and. You know, they you know that they don't like to pass it anyway, so they might run it again. You know, so it they just constantly put themselves behind the eight ball. And beyond that, it's like if Nick Westbrook Akine's out there, if Derrick Henry's out there, specifically if Derrick Henry's out there, you know it's probably a run. But if Dontrell Hilliard or Haskins is out there, you definitely know it's a pass. 
So, you know, which it shouldn't be because Haskins was such a good runner in college. And, and you would think like the offensive coordinator should at least like give the defense the possibility that he might run. But it's, it's just no, like it's no. so it, frustrating. Like, and everybody's like, well, you know, it's about the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's, which, you know, that like there there's something to that. Like you've got to have, you know it hurts when you've got a historic number of injuries. But the problem is it's not that it's different when the other team knows what you're calling, because when the other team knows what you're calling and they're not the most injured team in the country, you know, or in the NFL, that puts you at a disadvantage and it's hard to go out there with a disadvantage every single game, you know, and then you get, eventually you end up with one of the worst players at their position and, you know, last year it was Questenberry, who would have been a big upgrade over Dennis Daly this year, who was the absolute worst player in the NFL at left tackle. And probably over the last few years, I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not telling you anything. I don't know. I mean, you all know he was terrible. But, you know, once you're that predictable and you have those injuries like, you know, there's only so many times you can blame the Titans and say, well, Tannehill only had 250 yards passing. And it's like. Yeah, but look at what happened to Malik Willis. Like, there, there's a reason why the stats were so underwhelming is because it takes, and, and Dobbs did, did well enough, but it's like it takes a very veteran mind to understand, okay, no matter what happens, you've got one, maybe two reads, and then check it down or get ready to get sacked because you know Dennis Daly is your left tackle. And sometimes you have to roll the dice because you know you need a 12-yard gain, but, I mean – that that's basically what you're dealing with. So you've got a defense that knows when they can pin their ears back against the worst left tackle in the NFL. And you know, when they need to watch Derrick Henry and they don't really get punished when they cheat and you know that they're cheating, but you know, your offensive play caller can't figure out a way to stop it. So that, you know, personnel decisions in terms of who was out on the field, stupid splitting up reps the way he did stupid trying to constantly say, well, we need to, a balanced attack and we have to spread the ball around because if you focus too much on one guy, then the defense keys on it. Stupid. You know, it, his his general understanding of what play calling should be in the NFL was high school level at best. And, you know, he knows it. I mean, there, there's no chance he he looks back at this season and thought, well, I did everything I could do. You know, he knows he he disappointed, and, you know, fans should not feel sorry for him. He got two years. The team stuck stuck with him after he got a DUI in the middle of the season when they had every right to fire him or do whatever. They stuck by him foolishly, and they never won a game again. So, uh, you know, he, there's nobody to blame here but him. And I don't know if we're in a situation where it's like, well, it can't get worse. But it certainly can get much, much, much better. You know, like, I, I don't know what's worse. I, I, I would tend to think that there's no offensive coordinator in the NFL who's as bad at their job as Todd Downing was. But I'm not eager to find that out. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to find – I'm not going to seek out the worst offensive caller in the NFL. The good news is the odds are that you're going to get a better play caller. And it's probably – even or better than even odds that you're going to get a much better play caller, which is huge for a team that has talented players that they, they just need upgrades at certain positions. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if the scheme was all that bad. Like, some of it made sense at least, but yeah, his play calling just just no, no feel, no feel for for the personnel that was out there, the personnel that was on defense. Like, just terrible. But whatever, that's over. Um, first of all, what? Well, I, I don't know how to phrase this, but do you think Tim Kelly is is probably the odds-on favorite to to take over that? Or I haven't really seen anything in terms of outside uh, coordinator hires. I don't know if maybe I missed some news, but I really haven't seen too much yet. Do you think it's going to be Tim Kelly, or, or do you think they would go uh, outside of the organization? I don't think that they're afraid to look outside of the organization. There hadn't been any, name, any names pop up, and historically they, they have been very much promote from within. But I, I've... I've the optimist in me says that both Amy Adams drunk and Vrabel know that's a bad decision. But the realist in me knows that at the very least, Amy Adams drunk says you got to do something different. And so they have to at least entertain outside ideas. So we'll, you know, we'll see. There's I'm wondering drunk- if they, if they're going to wait to hire a GM before making yeah, an offensive that, coordinator decision. I, I think that's what they do. Like I, and, and I don't know if there's any, like, I guess, you know, I guess theoretically you want everybody on the same page, but free agencies doesn't start for two months. You know, you don't have to make any decisions about any of that for a little bit. And, you know, I, I guess, I guess the, again, the optimistic way to read it is that Vrabel is not ruling anything out. Like Vrabel, is, if a GM comes in and says, I want to run an offense that throws the ball 70% of the time that he's, you know, theoretically okay with that change if he can be proven why because if not just promote a guy from within and really that's that's the story of this offseason is whenever the titans choose to promote somebody from within i believe it's a move where vrabel says okay that guy agrees with what we did last year and what i've done you know my career here they're gonna stay in power instead of bringing somebody else in who might change that and that's, you know, that's not a negative. I mean, it is a negative, but it's not anything like that's just Mike Vrabel specific. Every head coach and every GM want as much power as they can get. It's just the nature of the business. So I don't blame Vrabel because he's always had control of his staff. But I think that if they promote from within, you're going to see a very similar offense to what you saw last year. I think you're going to get, you know, 29 passes a game from your quarterback, which is you know, about seven less than the NFL average. So it's like 70, 80% of the NFL average. Then you're going to see a more run heavy game. And then you're going to be frustrated because there's going to be some situations where by the very definition of that, that breakdown, that's going to be some plays where it's just run, run pass. And that's going to be awful. And it's going to result the way we think it will, but we just have to hope that it's less frequently than Todd Downing did it. But I do think that Kelly is somebody that Vrabel thought of highly in the past um, and wanted to interview for the offensive coordinator job. I don't know if he still thinks that way because I think, I think there would be a lot more rumbling about him being the guy to beat just because it would be easy to get that story. If you're like an insider, like it seems like they would want that out there that, even if they get a new a new GM, they want you know they want Kelly because this blah blah blah. So I I would say he's the favorite, but you know there's several names out there that could be interesting. I mean, I 
I've read everything, and this is from like Sports Illustrated. Like it's not not like you know a tweet, but like I've read everything from you know Cliff Kingsbury could be enticing because of Mike Vrabel's background as a college coach, and I cannot possibly see a group a, a pair that would get along worse than those two. Um, and then there's uh, the Lafleur stuff. You know Mike Lafleur from the Jets who, who gets a lot of talk. And then there's the Bill O'Brien rumors where, you know, like let's say the, the world flips completely upside down. And, you know, as of recording this, Will Levis's odds to be the number one pick have gone from like 22 to one to like seven to one, you know, just, which is a crazy overnight drop. So that's, that's strange. So let's say the world goes crazy and every Titans fans fantasy comes true and the Colts trade up to one and get Corey or get a Will Levis. Well, now all of a sudden, okay, can you trade up to number two to get uh, Bryce Young? And like, if that's your plan, do you make Bill O'Brien your offensive coordinator because he works with him at Alabama? Like as much as we hate the words Bill O'Brien, it's not like the guy doesn't know how to call an offense. Like he does. It's just, he also kind of wants to trade Hopkins for a second round pick. So you know, you, you kind of have to think about all those rumors and figure out which ones you trust and which ones you don't. Right now, I think that the plan, at least the obvious plan, is they're being very open and a lot of details are getting out about when they're interviewing GM candidates and who they're who they're talking to and all that. So it seems like that is the number one priority. And then whether they pull those guys and say, Hey, you know, if you had to hire an offensive coordinator right now, what would your top three guys be? Cause this, that's what I would be doing. If I was Mike Vrabel or Amy Adams Strunk, I would be saying, okay, you know, have those guys in and say, okay, just, just to get, just to get a figure like, and, and feel how much of the same page we're on. You give me your top three names for offensive coordinator that you believe would come here to work under you and with Mike Vrabel. And then let them talk and then write the names down and figure out, you know, is that somebody who would fit with our style or, you know, do these guys just completely not get the team that we have like that, that kind of thing. And there's, like I said, there's value to that, but at the very least, I think they want to get through this first wave of uh, GM interviews before they decide anything else. Yeah, that all makes sense. Uh, I would like for them to hire an offensive coordinator that's at least a little bit more pass centric or at least has a, a, a good idea uh, of a functioning passing game and, and can draw up concepts that will take advantage of of the talent that the Titans have because as much as we like to talk about how bad their wide receiver depth is Traylon Burks is good uh, Robert Woods is still good he's showed flashes at least Cal Phillips when he's healthy has been uh has been a good player and Chigo Conquo looks like one of the most promising t- young tight ends uh in the league plus Dontrell Hilliard is a really impressive pass catcher uh out of the backfield so there's stuff there to work with and uh, I think the Titans could take advantage of it especially with Derrick Henry getting older and older I he had a good season like it's not like Henry's slowing down per se uh but we do have to take into account that he's about to enter his age 31 season i think uh is it is it 30 or 31 i think he's 30 right now no he's 29 
29. Yeah, and, was, oh, okay. Because I, I okay. think he's older than I, – I always think I'm like, oh, because – remember i think it was the patriots game the playoff game where it was his birthday that day and they were like congratulations on turning 26 and like that was back backs like drop off a cliff at 27 and we were like oh no so it's felt like he's he's like 40 for the last like two years yeah it's true um and it's so it's it's so dumb that we like 29 is like oh he's still got it but 30 oh man he's about to he's about to start sucking but it doesn't yeah. work that way and derrick henry's obviously a unicorn so he still could very well have you know three to four years uh, of good football left uh we'll see but i still would like the Titans to lean more on the passing game going forward especially uh if they're gonna have a quarterback of the future either in, in this draft or, or the next one we'll see uh, but for now, let's take a quick ad break and we'll come back and talk a little bit about the draft, some of the GM candidates that the Times are interviewing uh, and some of the free agents that's, that the Times will have to make decisions on. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly. An AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit that the Titans have already begun interviewing GM candidates. I believe t- today or yesterday, the Titans uh, completed their interviews with the in-house candidates, Ryan Cowden and Monty Austinfort. I think Cowden is probably the odds-on favorite, but you know anything can happen. They could be swayed by some of these outside guys. Some of these outside guys that they're interviewing are Rand Carthon from the San Francisco 49ers, Glenn Cook from the Cleveland Browns, Ian Cunningham from the Bears, Quentin Harris from the Cardinals, and a TBD, Malik Boyd from the Bills. They still haven't scheduled an interview with him, I don't believe, but he seems to be on their radar. I'm not going to pretend to know who these guys are and and, uh, I'm not really familiar with all of their work. I think Quentin Harris used to be a, was he a cornerback? He sounds like a a safety. I think like, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen him. I've seen him play before the other guys. I'm not totally sure, but initially, like I would say 
go for Malik Boyd or Rand Carthon from, you know, the the Bills and the Niners just because I like the way they've built their rosters and those guys have played uh, a big part in constructing those rosters because they're, you know, pro player personnel uh, directors. So I would sway towards that. I don't know if that's always the best move. Uh, And I've seen people say, like, you know, it's not always the smartest to just go for uh, a person from the best teams in the NFL. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's a good, uh, it's a good way, it's a good blueprint to to copy. I, I mean, I love the way the rosters uh, of both of those teams are set up. I would prefer uh, the Bills type of blueprint. I just like the way they built that. The 49ers probably make more sense because they're a run centric uh, type of off- offense, and they have. Uh, offensive skill position players who are really good after the catch. And that's kind of what the Titans could and, and should be. But how do you see it? Uh, do, do you have a favor amongst those or maybe someone else uh, that hasn't been mentioned yet? Yeah. So I wrote an article today about Rand Carthen because I, I went into it thinking I was really going to like him as a potential general manager. And somebody is, somebody said before that when you look at, a team that has gotten the most out of their talent and who seems to understand how to consistently hire good coaches, it's the 49ers. Like you look at Sala and, um, I mean, I, I, I forget the list, but there, there's the Miko Ryan's. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they're, they're like stacked up like that. And like, you know, they, they just seem to have a really good, you know, they outperform what they should. And that's even with talented players. Like, I think in the last three, four seasons, they've had three with uh, double-digit wins, and the one that they didn't is when Garoppolo got hurt or something, something crazy like that. But you know, I went in and I just I was kind of underwhelmed with his career because he he's a guy who's almost exclusively on the pro side of things, and he like he deals with free agency and all that, and the Titans biggest problem hasn't necessarily been free agency. It's been hitting on first round draft picks, which they've been hit or miss with. And, you know, you go back and he's been a director of player personnel, which is different than a director of pro personnel because a player personnel recommends things or does, does the draft and free agency for the general manager and kind of presents info and, you know, is the right hand man. And he did that for seven years and the pro bowlers he, he was involved in drafting were Aaron Donald. Great. Uh, Jared Goff. Okay. And Todd Gurley. And, you know, Aaron Donald. Awesome. But people forget that he was the second pick they had in that draft. Like they, they didn't pick him number two when they had the second overall pick. They picked Greg Robinson who was one of the biggest busts at offensive tackle in NFL history. And if they had known what Aaron Donald was going to become, they absolutely would have spent the second pick on him, or they would have traded both those picks to get to one to get him, or they would have traded down knowing that he wasn't going to go two through four or whatever. But they wouldn't have rolled the dice and possibly let him slip and – you know, they ended up with him, so they still get points for that. But, you know, it, it's not it's not quite as good as you'd want it. And then every other pick that I mean, including those, every other pick that he's been involved in making has been a top 13 pick. And you've got guys like Tavon Austin, 
Um, Robinson, like I just talked about, Trey Lance, who they traded up for, which, you know, Trey Lance may be good one day, but, you know, he he's it's his it'll be his third season next year, and he's had, you know, went on our I think the first week of the season this year and didn't do enough to convince everybody that he should start over Garoppolo last year. So, and Brock Purdy looks really good. So, you know, I, I have some concerns about whether that would actually solve any of the problems that the Titans were having or whether that would just maintain status quo and just end us, end us up back here in the same spot in however many years. But Cunningham is a guy who, he's the guy who I've looked into who there seems to be the most out there about uh, and he seems like a guy that it, of all the of all the guys he's the one that I would be most excited about just because he I think he's 36 39 he's he's really young um but he spent time with Ozzie Newsom and the Ravens as their SEC scout which you know I believe almost every year uh Ozzie Newsom would draft somebody from the SEC in the first round like, and it's no surprise that they're the best conference in, in college football and that, you know, they produce the most NFL talent and the Ravens were consistently one of the best teams in the NFL. But, you know, that's a very valued position when you say, okay, if we're going to commit to drafting people out of this conference and especially out of Alabama where Ozzie Newsom was from, then and where, you know, he knew Nick Saban, you know, we've got to hit on these picks and we've got to get the right guy. And more often than not, they did. And then after that, he went to Philadelphia, which, you know, Philadelphia, but even before the team they have now had won the Super Bowl. Like, I mean, that they've been a good team. They've just also had to deal with having Carson Wentz, which has been a problem. So, you know, once they got over that, they kind of meandered in the middle of the pack. And then now they're back to, you know, being in contention again. So, that's two teams with strong front offices that have won Super Bowls in the last 20 years and, you know, that seem to be very good learning grounds for future general managers. And now he's with the Bears and he's only been with the Bears for a year. So, you know, it's not like, it, you know, it's not like he's responsible for any of the losses that they've had. Like this wasn't a good roster coming into the year and now they have the first overall pick. and not, you know, not really through any fault that they have, they, they were kind of dealt the hand they were dealt. So, and I think people are somewhat positive about what the bears will be going forward, but you know, it's, it's too early to tell how impactful he's been or could be there because it's only one year as the right hand man. But if this is where I struggle with it though, because he's the guy I think would be the most interesting and has the most upside, but the press release once the uh, Titans had their season ended and they it were you know they wanted to put out good PR before uh, the press conference in the season and all that and whatever so they released a, an article about what the Titans were looking for in a general manager and you know Amy Adams drunk had quotes in there and stuff and everybody talked about how. Um, I think collaboration is the word. I always, I always get it confused with cooperation, but I think it was collaboration. And they talked about how this general manager needed to collaborate and how Mike Vrabel would no longer respond to the general manager. He would respond directly to Amy Adams Strunk and, 
you know, read into that however you will. But another the, the thing I thought was interesting is she pointed out how when she looks when they're looking for a general manager, they want somebody who's proven to be exceptional at drafting, exceptional at free agency and all that kind of stuff, which tells me that they need to have experience in both sides and they need to have a fair amount of experience and tangible results to say, look, I was the right hand man with a successful organization and I, you know, had my toes in in both waters, but these are the guys I stood on the table for that we signed. And these are the guys I stood on the table for that we drafted. And I don't know that either of the guys I've mentioned really have that sort of pedigree. So I don't know. Like I say all that to say, like, you know, people don't love the Browns because Glenn Cook is the guy from the Browns. But last year they traded for Amari Cooper and they traded a fifth and a sixth and got him, which was an incredible deal for them. And, you know, they had to give up the farm to get Deshaun Watson. And I don't think anybody listening to this podcast thinks that that was a moral move or the right move to make. But they've drafted well. They've drafted well yeah. in the past, last past couple of years. Yeah, like, I mean, they're not that far removed from being a team that won zero games. And, you know, now it's a disappointment when they don't make the playoffs because they do have talent on their roster. So, you know, and if you want to look at a team that's kind of built an offensive line and a running game that the Titans would like to have, I mean, they have a really nice running game. So I, I, I say all that to say I don't really know, but – I do like the candidates that they have, even though there might not be one that just blows my socks off. Yeah, I'll be honest. Like, I, I mean, while you've been talking, I've been doing a little bit of research myself, and I've also listened to what uh, you've said. And I like this crop of uh, of candidates that they, that they've gotten, especially the outside ones. Like, I don't mind Ryan Cowden and Monty Austin for, but do you think they'll be that much different than John Robert? Well, maybe that's good because we we love John Robinson, yeah. so maybe maybe yeah. we should uh, we should get uh, one of them instead of hiring uh, from the outside. But I think that whatever they do, I think they're probably going to get a good uh, a good candidate and and a good uh, like you know talent evaluator for the most part. So I think they're in a good position overall. I I'm still you know. Where John Robinson stands on this podcast, so I feel like whoever comes in is going to have pretty big shoes to fill. Like I know John Robinson made a lot of mistakes, but he made a lot of smart decisions. He drafted a lot of good players uh, as well, so I think they have big shoes to fill, and they're going to come in with a lot of pressure because Amy Adams Strunk clearly wants to win as soon as possible. And if this new GM comes in and already makes, you know, a couple of bad free agent signings uh, or his draft picks come in and they get injured, like all of our draft picks seem to get injured, uh, then I don't know, like pressure might start mounting pretty quickly. So they're in a tough position, but from what I've seen, what I've read, it it seems like they have a good pool uh, to choose from. But it it really is going to be important for Amy M. Strunk. Uh, to hire the right person, and I hope they do because it's going to probably end up being the difference between the Titans taking the next step or just... I don't think they're going to float in mediocrity. Like, if it goes bad, it's going to go really bad, I think, uh, personally. Hopefully it doesn't, but we'll see. Um, 
Damn, there's a lot to talk about, honestly. Uh, let's table the GM the GM conversation for now uh, until until the next one. Um, well, the GM is going to come in and he's going to have decisions to make. Uh, the, the Titans have a, a lot of free agents coming up. I kind of want to just go by them one by one and we can kind of decide whether we want to keep them or not. It could be pretty quick. Uh, are you up for that, Will? Sure. Let's do it. I'm going to go by, I guess, uh, the highest paid Titans uh, that are upcoming free agents this offseason. So, Austin Hooper. So, I'll try to make it quick since we've got so many to go through. (laughs) I I like Hooper a lot, but this draft class is going to be packed with tight ends mm-hmm. and they kind of found Hooper last year in free agency because the Browns kind of cut him late in, in that first second ish wave and they picked him up. So I'm going to say no, just because I, I want the off. If, if there's going to be a tight end on the field, I want it to be Chig and I want the offensive coordinator to be able to find a way to make him the guy who's always on the field. Uh, that's fair. Um, I would bring him back. I, I really like him. I think he's a really good tight end. And, and he's like, I know he's good. Man. It's just hard because it's like they, they're dealing with. So like, and look, they can make money and, and I get that, but it's like, I keep finding myself where I'm like, is there a situation where in an ideal world, I want another, I want Mike Vrabel to be given the opportunity to say, well, Chig isn't blocking well enough. So we put Austin out there and that's why, you know, because he may have, you know, four for 40 and four first downs, and that's awesome. But he's not he, like he's not look like a guy who's going to have a single pass that goes for 40 yards. And Chig did that twice with very minimal involvement in the offense this year. And he had several 30, uh, 30 yards. So it's just it's it's so hard for me because I, I want to take the toy the, the you know, the the toys that I don't want to see Mike Frable in like forced to be on the field. I want to take them away from him. So we can't play with them. Like I don't want Swain and I like Hooper, but I'm afraid he would get too he would get too many snaps over Chig. But having said that, I, I, I like Hooper. I think he did a good job. Yeah. I thought he was great uh, over the back half of the season. And I personally would like him back as long as they get him on a pretty friendly contract, just because I think him and Okonkwo would be just a fantastic duo. But I agree with your points, and I see where you're coming from. Uh, next would be Jeff Swain. That's a no. I don't think we have to talk about that one. Um, next would be A.J. Moore. <laughs> Did he play? <laughs> yeah. Did he play this year? I think he got hurt. Like I think he got hurt in the Bills game. Like I think he, like, one of okay. the bajillion guys who like went down <laughs> right, after right. a kickoff or something and then we just never heard about him again yeah 2.5 uh 2.5 million dollars too um that that's pretty expensive uh lonnie johnson i think i would take him i, I, I mean i would bring him back yeah he's he's fine i mean like that's fine <laughs> i've got i've got no problem with him <laughs> Uh, Morgan Cox, all pro. I think he was an all pro or maybe second team all pro long snapper. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, sure. Like, go ahead, bring him back. Like he's from the area. Like it doesn't seem like it's a physical toll to be a long snapper. So yeah, so it'll keep him as long as he wants to play. Yeah. Uh, Demarcus Walker. 
that's tricky because yeah i mean like you want him back but like what's it going to cost because i don't know if he ended up leading the titans in sacks or if he was half a sack short you know it, it was one of those but like i mean he was it was him, Autry, and Simmons were all kind of hovering around together. And if you're going to cut Bud Dupree, which, you know, we may talk about later or whatever, but, like, if that's going to be part of the plan, then using some of that money to bring back Walker, if possible, is a really good way to open up cap space and stay relatively the same at the position. Yeah, I think if you get him on a a friendly deal, I think you bring him back because you get pretty cheap production from him. He played well. Uh, whenever he was called upon. Uh, next is Dontrell Hilliard. Yes, I I bring him yeah. back. Like it, I would I would bring him back. Too. Mike, I don't think he's gonna go for a lot. Mike Keith kind of like, uh, you know, and look, I'm overanalyzing everything because, you know, this is the this is the time when people are being their most honest selves. But Mike Keith kind of acted like, can you get more like? can you get a running back who does a little bit more in the running game uh, than Hilliard does? And I don't think that was a Hilliard thing. I think that was a downing thing because we've seen Hilliard get the ball plenty last year when Henry was hurt and people yeah, forget how like explosive over five he five yards a carry. It's like, he's yeah, good like, in the run game. He should have gotten more touches. Absolutely. So yeah, like I, I, I would like to have him back and it's not because I don't like Haskins. I think Haskins is fine. But we don't need Julius Chestnut. We don't need all these other guys who are just fun for Mike Keith to say. Like, get get Hilliard back because I, I want to say he led the team in touchdown receptions. And, and get him back and then get uh, a coordinator who knows how to use him. Trenton Cannon, I don't think we need to talk about. Like, I, I don't even know if he played. Nope, fake name. Yeah, okay. Uh, Dylan Cole. Fan favorite who turned into, you know, no one liked him anymore yeah. after the Trevor Lawrence play. Yeah, after he, like, cried, like, which, you know, like, whatever. Like, I'm not trying to rag on the guy, but it was like, I should have done more and all that. Like, yeah, I mean, like. I would bring it back. It, like, I feel like he was fine. Yeah, if, if he wanted him to be your very last special team guy, okay, that's yeah. fine. But, I mean, was he better than Gibbons? Was he better than Monty Rice? Like, no. Like, no. is he better than David Long, who we'll have to talk about in a second and figure that out? No, like, I is, I mean, I, there, there's, a, I don't think there was a notable, you know, thing that he did on, did on defense to make him anything other than a special teams player, though. Monty Rice did some things, man. I, I kind of like him. I like Yo, he's good. Voice. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> a, a, like, this is going to be one of those things where we look back at that you know, that 2020-2021 class that everybody kind of shames Robinson over and everybody talks about how terrible it is. And it's like, well, actually, they got Christian Fulton, Monty Rice, uh, Rashad Weaver. Like, it's like there's going to be like a whole bunch of guys yeah. that came from that class. And it's like, oh, whoops. Like, they got uh, Tier Tart in that class. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be like a little bit of thing, but that's that's whatever. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next up is Terrence Mitchell. I mean, no. No. Mario Edwards, kind of similar to Walker, although I thought Walker was more productive. Yeah. Uh, Corey Levin, you would say yes, of course. Yeah, he should like he should be the starter at center next year. <laughs> right? Genuinely, like, like if you if you watch him play, especially if you watch him versus uh, Dallas, like I mean, he like 
I'm not saying he's Ben Jones. Like it's just a couple of games. Like I, you know, blah, blah, blah. But he is much better than Brewer was at center and Brewer's fine. I mean, like Brewer, you know, if Brewer's backup center, okay. Like, but Levin should be the starter, you know? And I, and I made this point to, uh, Tic Tac Titan the, the other day, Tyler, and I said, you know, there, you're going to need some cheap stopgap guys. And he's one of the few that could not only be a cheap stopgap guy, but he's young enough to where you could actually find a average to slightly above average long-term starter and it won't break the bank. And it's at a position that you need. So like they may have stumbled into the guy who should start for him next year. Now, you know, we got a long way to go between now and training camp and figuring out, you know, if he, if he's going to be the option. But uh, he absolutely deserves to be brought back to at least compete for one of those jobs. Uh, I don't want to make this too long, but do you think the you, you think they're going to cut Ben Jones? I think he's going to retire. Yeah, uh, it feels that way. Yeah. yeah, like coming out like in the Jaguars game, like. Because it, it wasn't like he was there with Lawan and Harold Landry and all that. It was, to my knowledge, he was the only player on IR who was there. And so, like, that, to me, if if two concussions, you know, in the back half of the season, you know, like, if that's not a big enough red flag, the fact that he walked out there with the team and, like, you know, basically did his senior night thing, in Jacksonville, like that, that makes me feel like he doesn't come back. I mean, I, I would love for him to come back. You know, they're going to have to pay him some money either way, but if he retired, it would not surprise me at all. Agreed. Next up is Joe Jones. I think that's a no. Um, and Andrew Adams is next. This is an interesting one. I, I would bring him back. I thought he played really well in, in some of the spot starts. Yeah, I would bring him back, uh, depending on his kind of recovery and rehab and all that. But if I bring him back, I'm not bringing Lonnie Johnson back. Yeah, if I, it, yeah. Like, just because I think they're kind of redundant, and I think Adams is better. But if you're worried that Adams won't be ready for the regular season or, or whatever, because I don't know how long a patella injury takes to recover from. I don't. Oh, is that what's happening? Yeah, it's hard to keep not, track of <laughs> all the yeah, injuries. So, I don't even. Know got to go through a filing cabinet to figure it out but yeah like i I don't that's just such a unfamiliar injury to me i'm not up my head i don't know the recovery time of it but you know if i say that god if the titans medical team checked him out that doesn't mean anything he might be worse off than he was before (laughs) god only knows if they're looking at the right picture so you know like if if an independent medical staff not affiliated with the tennessee titans cleared him or said that they expect him to be able to recover in time, then I would absolutely bring him back because Hooker and Byard are already locked in for years to come. So like if you're if you're just like we're gonna get like we need another safety, like you might want to churn, you know, the the bottom of the draft and see if you can find somebody there. But it's it's not bad to have somebody who stepped in and showed he could be a starter if he needed to be and also who could play sub package linebacker and that kind of stuff. Agreed. Next up, LaRaven Clark was fake, fake player. Yep. Uh, Deshaun Hand, another fake, fake. I, I don't yeah. see him out there one time. Kevin Strong made more of an impact than, than Deshaun Hand did. 
Uh, Joshua Kalu, another one of these defensive backs who actually played pretty well. Um, yeah, I, I I let him go because I think he. Yeah, was, you could get his production from a from a draft pick from a six. Yeah, it's like if you're if you're gonna bring back Adams, like yeah, you, that you're already committing to paying three safeties more than the like the minute like more than what you would pay a draft pick like just find the fastest most most athletic you know safety you can find on day three of the draft and just see what he can be but hope that you never have to play him other than special teams now we're going to get into the very interesting decisions nate davis are you paying him i am just just because you know the injuries he's had aren't ACL or Achilles or like the things that are really hard to recover from. And with this staff, if you can make it through two seasons without that, you know, you're an iron man. So it's just because also like, what are you going to do? I mean, like, it's not like there's a ton of offensive linemen out there anyway, but like, you know, we've seen them spend a lot of money on Roger Saffold and that works. We've seen them spend a lot of money on Andy Levitri and it didn't work. And, you know, you you know, who is the guy, Andrew Norwell, that uh, the Jaguars paid a bajillion dollars to a couple of years ago, and he was terrible. And then they spent a bunch of money on Brandon Sheriff, and he's fine. You know, so it's like it, tra- moving a guard from one scheme to another is so hit or miss that if they admit that the offensive line was a problem, which is why Keith Carter got fired, then I'm bringing back Nate Davis and saying if he was average to above average with – with a guy that we've identified as a bad coach, put a good coach in there and hope that you can get more consistency or improve. And, you know, he's young, he, you know, he's athletic, he's big. He he understands what you want to do in the st- scheme that I would imagine they'll still try to run. So yeah, like I, I'm, I'm all, I'm on board for signing him. Next up, uh, RFA, Tier Tart. I, if he was a UFA, I, I would bring him back, no questions. I thought he was one of the best tight ends this entire season. Yeah, like, you you know, you can spend a lot of money in draft picks trying to find a nose tackle that can be that dancing bear kind of, and they they found it as an undrafted free agent, and he's been great, and, you know, he's always been a high-effort guy, but, like, he seems to have developed more, and... Now he's getting, you know, his hands up and knocking down passes, and he had that interception against the Colts, which is funny. And then, you know, more than anything else, Mike Vrabel and Shane Bowen trust him to be the one tech or, you know, the nose or whatever play in the A-gap. And that means that you can play Jeffrey Simmons as a three technique or a two. You know, you can play him. You don't have to worry about, okay, we're going to have to play him inside this time because we can't stop the run. Like, that opens up a lot of possibilities for you as – Simmons is a pass rusher. So I think, I think this whole defensive line complements each other well. And I think that Tart, I think that he should be somebody that they focus on giving a new deal to almost more quickly than Jeffrey Simmons, just because not because they have more time with Simmons. And I, I think there's a little bit more urgency to get a deal done with Tart because I, I don't, you know, if they wanted to keep Jeff, they could exercise the fifth year option and tag him twice. Like, and that, and that makes him a Titan for, you know, the next however many years. So, you know, I, I think that having both of them together is important. 
Next up, Nick Westbrook Akine, also an RFA. What would you do there? I mean, he's such a it's such a weird player, right? Because everybody says like, well, if he's your fifth best receiver, then you have a good a good offense, and that's true. But like I said with Hooper, like I don't want to keep giving Mike Vrabel toys that I know he's gonna for like he's gonna play with. Like I almost want to take Nick Westbrook Aquina off the team so that they don't keep trying to use him like a number two receiver, like Vrabel slash Downing have done for the last two years because he quote unquote knows all the positions. Like you know, and. You know, I, I say number two, like they didn't really use him as a number two. They use him more as a number three. But the point is, like, they feel they seem to feel like that's an OK situation where it's not like he's not he's not a good receiver. He's a solid blocker. And that's cool. And he plays special teams. And that's cool. But that doesn't, you know, so do, you know, 30 fullbacks across the league. That doesn't mean that they should be one of your starting wide receivers. So. As the team, you know, for as much as we've complained about getting faster, you know, Vrabel was like, we need to get faster, blah, blah, blah. Nothing Nick Westbrook-Kene does looks fast on a football field. Like, he doesn't create separation. He doesn't get yards after the catch. Like, none of that is there. So, he's one of the first guys that has to come off the field if that's what you're wanting. So, no, I, I, I would give him the lowest tender, and then maybe you bring him back for one more season as a pure special teams player. But I'm, he's one of the guys that I'm not afraid of if I have to cut like on cut down day. Yeah, I mean, if he asks for more than two, like two million dollars for a season, I'm I'm saying no. I I just feel like you can get his his performance, his production from from you know a fifth round receiver. Personally, I mean, he was an undrafted free agent. You could probably get it from an undrafted uh, free yeah. agent. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, another receiver coming up. Cody Hollister, who is somehow an RFA, how is that? He's 20, 30 years old. It, impossible. He is he is ageless. He exists outside of time and space. Anyway, but, he's, he can't possibly come back, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Aaron Brewer, also RFA. This is an interesting one because, I mean, I, th- I think I would bring him back as a backup, but he really just cannot be your starter going into the year. Yeah, I mean, I'm giving him, like, a low tender, and I'm just saying, look, like, the plan should be, okay, he's got experience at, at center and guard. He should, he, like, he's a classic swing interior lineman. Like, you want him to play center because he knows how to snap. He's athletic enough to play guard for you in a pinch. But if other teams know he's there, you know, he's going to make the guys around him worse because it's going to be pretty easy to square up with him and beat him. So it, I don't mind him being there. I, I I would I wouldn't bend over backwards to keep him and I wouldn't even try exceptionally hard to keep him. So, you know, if you give him some sort of tender or whatever and somebody else wants him, they can have him. But I don't mind having him on the team just to keep you from being forced into spending like a day three draft pick or, you know, finding somebody that you hope can snap. Because I, as much as I don't like Aaron Brewer, I mean, I, I don't I don't dislike him that much. I just don't think he should be a starter. But I really don't want Daniel Munyer to come back and snap. So, like, I, I've seen the other side and seen how bad that can look. Yeah, fair. I agree. 
Uh, David Long is up next. Um, I would pay. Like, I think he's a hell of a player. Yeah, like, I. so Mike Vrabel called him out in his post-game press conference. Like, weird. Just yeah, weird. like him and Fulton, which, I mean, last year Fulton was, you know, incredible. I mean, he was one of the best cover corners in the NFL, like, and, you know, he, he had some injuries he dealt with last year, and then he dealt with some injuries this year. But, you know, he called like he called both those guys out. And, you know, Vrabel doesn't like David Long. Like, I, I don't I don't care what he says. You know, he played Rashawn Evans and John Brown over him. He, Long should have been starting for the last two years, like before, the, including this year for the last three years. Like, it, you know, his rookie year, he stepped up in the playoff game and played against uh, the Baltimore Ravens. And he was a, a big part of why the Titans defense was able to shut down uh, Lamar Jackson on those two fourth down plays. And, you know, it's vivid in my mind, but it, the Ravens were something like 80% on converting fourth downs uh, throughout the season or maybe higher. Like they, it just was almost impossible to stop them on fourth downs. And he was involved in both of those plays. So, you know, that, He's he's always been somebody who's looked like he should start, but you know seniority and the Mike Vrabel stuff. Like he ended up having to wait and play special teams and do it. Same thing Monty Rice is going through right now. But uh, you know, having said that, you know if he does somehow get over whatever that is, David Long is a really good player. I mean, exceptional. And at the caveat with every player on the Titans roster is when he's healthy, but over the last two years, there's only one guy that's been healthy and it's been Kevin Byard. So you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt, but I, I mean, I would keep him for sure. Unless he saw that Roquan Smith deal and decided that he thought he needed $20 million a year too, because that's not the type of guy he is like you, you can pay him a good contract and uh, you know, a moderate contract, but and he and he'll be one of the better starting linebackers in the NFL, but he is not. He's not the kind of guy where you're like he's going to be, you know, a pro bowler or an all pro every year because he's so dependable and he does everything right. Like he wins because he's so athletic. And when he triggers on something, he's do or die going to make that play. But sometimes he bites on things he shouldn't. And and that that hurts him. And he's not quite the cover linebacker you want him to be. He's not bad, but like he, you know, I, I just he's not like Keekly, and that's that's unfair because nobody is. But like it, it's he's not one of these perfect linebackers that you're like this is a guy that deserves to be paid at the top of the market. But I don't think he thinks that either, either or at least that's what my expectation is. And I don't I mean, I think he's seen Rashawn Evans and Jaron Brown both go to the market and get almost nothing in terms of deals. And I think maybe that will help him realize that the linebacker market is not exceptionally strong. And so it makes more sense to stay in Tennessee, you know, good tax situation, a team that knows what to do with you and you just stay home and figure something out there. But it's it, it for as good as he is when he's on the field, I don't think I would break the bank for him. I think I agree. I think anything more than like $8 million per year, I'm probably out on, but he's, 
there were times where he was legitimately the Titans' best defensive player and legitimately led them uh, as a unit. So it would be a tough guy to let go. But like you said, it seems like Vrabel doesn't even like him. So wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Uh, two more players to round out this list. Uh, I'm going to start with Naquan Jones. Um, he's an exclusive rights-free agent. I don't, I don't really, I'm not totally sure what that means, but I think they'll bring him back, right? Yeah, I, I think Just it means competition. Yeah, um, like I think it means that you like you can kind of say like we want him. Like I, I like I don't I don't really understand what it is either. I shouldn't I shouldn't pretend like <laughs> like there's some restrictive quality there that makes it like if you want him, there's like a pre-negotiated deal or whatever that you can say like we want to pay him eight hundred thousand dollars and like it's almost like a built-in kind of franchise tag. That's my understanding of it. That could be completely wrong, so don't quote me on that. But that's the understanding I'm working with. So, yeah, I would bring him back just because there's been different times over the last couple of years where he's flashed as a pass rusher, and you know, Vrabel said it said it well in his post game press conference where he was talking about uh, Jaden Peavy, who's an undrafted uh, free agent defensive tackle that they had this year from, I believe, Ohio State. Um, and he said, uh, or Texas A&M or something, one of those. And he said, uh, you know, there's there's another Jaden Peavy coming out next year that we're going to sign as an undrafted free agent. So if you're not working to get better, then you have to know that there's going to be a guy breathing ne- down your neck. And, you know, like that maybe the Titans can do it just in general, but Robinson was great at finding undrafted free agent defensive linemen that could come and plug in and be – you know, uh, passable players and stop gaps and not, not hurt you. So, uh, and and then you get guys with upside like the tier tart. So we'll see if the next GM can do that too. But uh, the, the bigger point is that you, I, I would keep him for a, sh- a small non-guaranteed price. And then the understanding being you're not promised anything, your job can be taken away. And if he, continues to develop then i think he'll be you know a good deal at that price if he doesn't you just cut ties and go and last but not least the toughest decision the times you're gonna have to make dennis daly (laughs) oh hard 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 pass obviously Uh, i thought is dobbs not on that list uh no i don't know why yeah actually maybe spot rack is wrong uh i don't know to be honest with you but um, I mean, I would bring Dobbs back for sure. Yeah, Dobbs, Dobbs is a weird one because I, I think you absolutely have to bring him back. Like, I think if nothing else, you have to bring him back and consider a three quarterback room situation. And then, you know, maybe somebody gets hurt in training camp, but, you know, like, I don't, I don't wish this would happen, but it's like, if Malik gets hurt, then you don't have to worry about, oh, did we cut bait too soon on this guy? Like, you know, if somebody else, you know, or if he, if, um, Sorry, if Malik gets hurt, you get to keep him without saying, do we get to cut? Did we cut bait too soon on uh, Dobbs, who could have helped us as the number two because we wanted to develop this other guy? So I, I think you just have to after what he did the last two games. Agreed. Uh, you didn't tell me about Daly. Uh, that's a yes, right? On resigning. Oh, sign him. Yeah. Yeah, because he can't play left tackle, but he can probably be right tackle. 
or offensive coordinator. I mean, like he's equally as competent as the guy they had there. So, I mean, he's got. There's a lot of things you can do with Dennis Daly. I mean, maybe Dennis Daly, O line coach. <laughs> Just everybody turned the wrong way. Like, I, you know, I, I almost did an article like looking back to see how many times the player defensive player of the week was somebody that played against Dennis Daly because I feel like it was four or five times. Yeah, terrible. Uh, so that's going to do it, uh, for the free agents. Um, <laughs> I mean, we could keep talking about players at the times, uh, should or shouldn't cut, but we'll save that for, for a future episode. We didn't even get around to a draft plan or anything because there's just, there's a lot to talk about. So we're gonna take one more ad break here and then we will wrap up with stop the nonsense. Welcome back into no nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Will, do you have a stop the nonsense? Uh, yeah, so I, I've said this one, I, I believe I've said this exact one before, but I was going back and looking at Jim White's mailbag and, you know, Jim White has to do what he has to do. Like, I, I get that. But it's funny to watch over the course of the season. Uh, and this is, I encourage everybody to go do this, to go, you know, if you can stay in the pain, go back and read uh the mailbags each week and see people from week one, people are concerned about Todd Downing and like this before the games are even played. And you can see the questions continue throughout the whole season. And when the Titans are doing good, he's like, you know, well, Josh, like I'm just making up a name. Well, Josh, they're seven and three right now. So I think you should, I think everybody should be pretty happy with all the coaches and like that, that kind of like, I know a lot of people are complaining about Downing, but what else did you want him to do? This, that, and the other. And then, like, you slowly see, like, that descent into, like, a, a, what I'll call sanity. And it's like, he's like, well, he's like, that, yeah, I didn't understand that call either. And it's like, you start to see, like, these little cracks in the armor. And it's like, uh, it's like, yeah, that was a weird call, but, you know, it's also could have been this. And it's like, towards the end, it's just like a lot of, like, Thanks for your question, which is basically when when I see Jim White post something, he says, thanks for your question. And it's like Todd Downing is the worst offensive coordinator. How could this team possibly, you know, consider keeping him? It's just Jim White's way of like rebelling and saying, like, I hate this guy. Like, you know, I'm going to air this and not respond to it because I can't because, you know, I, I work for the Titans. But I want everybody to see this this uh, opinion and I'm going to not combat it. And it's just it's fun to see that arc. But then if you go back about halfway, I, I, probably when the Robinson got fired, there's two things that happen where there's kind of an uptick in, in Jim White defending him. And then there's also an article that comes out that's written by Buck rising that said, you know, don't, don't expect uh, any changes at offensive coordinator this off season. Like I, I don't get the impression that Todd da- that they believe that Todd Downing is the problem with this offense, and they think it's the the talent on the roster and all that. And this is a very happy like stop the nonsense because it was one of those where everything was so clearly wrong and so clearly so clearly Todd Downing's fault. And I don't think we've talked about this. And I don't have the exact stat, but there was something like in the Jaguars game they had. 21st downs where they ran the ball and four where they passed it. And it's sort of this culmination of you can see where they almost made the worst decision possible and kept Todd Downing. But luckily at the very end that their poor play calling and stupid decision-making 
finally forced the Titans to look themselves in the mirror and figure out what was wrong. And then they, they could see their own nonsense to the point where they were like, okay, we have to fire Todd Downing. So this is a very happy and positive stop the nonsense because they, they actually did. They stopped, I mean, they, they stopped the nonsense because they just kept downward spiraling until they couldn't ignore it anymore. So all of the previous defenses and excuses made like were washed away and it was, it was very therapeutic. So now that there's some finality to the situation, I feel like that's that's a good one to share. Positive, stop the nonsense. This is what we should all strive for in uh, in 2023. Uh, mine's uh, mine's not negative, but uh, I have two actually. I thought I didn't have any, but then I remembered a couple of things that happened today. Uh, one of them is uh, Brandon Staley, just colossal moron of a head coach, thinks he's smarter than everyone else. Uh, it, I don't know if if any of you guys saw, but in week 18, the Chargers um, played the Broncos in a game that was literally meaningless. They played at uh, in the afternoon. Their seating was already locked. They were locked into the five seed. They couldn't get better. They couldn't get worse. What does Brandon Staley do? Trot out his starters to play for, I think it was three quarters or something like that. What happens? Joey Bosa gets injured in that game. I think he'll be fine uh, for this weekend's matchup against the Jaguars. Mike Williams also gets injured in that game. Mike Williams, who is frequently injured with nagging injuries, he gets seriously injured. He has a, a fracture in his back, is out for two to three weeks, totally out of the Jaguars game. He might, His season might be over because the Chargers might not even play more than one uh, playoff game. So great job, Brandon Staley. Way to go. This is the same guy who played Justin Herbert with cracked ribs uh, for four quarters uh, when they played the Jaguars the first time, which they lost 38 to 10. They were down four scores and Justin Herbert was still out there. I mean, this dude has zero logic, zero logic. I, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, and then, oh man, sorry. My, my water almost fell. Uh, that was really dumb. And then another head coach who I don't know what's up with him. John Harbaugh is doing some weird stuff uh, with this Lamar Jackson situation. I don't know what's going on over there. Uh, but today, uh, Lamar Jackson came out with a tweet. I think it was either today or yesterday saying that he ha has a PCL sprain, grade two sprain, almost grade three. That's why he hasn't been able to play. Uh, still, his knee is still like kind of weak. So he, obviously he can't risk it. Uh, and they keep asking John Harbaugh about it. Today, they asked him about Lamar Jackson's tweet. He says, no, I didn't know anything about that and didn't pay much attention to it. Says he can't comment on the specifics of Jackson's injury. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but if the Titans want to go ahead and, and make a quick phone call to the Ravens and, and engage the trade interest for Lamar Jackson, feel free. Would love to have him in Tennessee run the ball with Derrick Henry. Yeah, uh, so it, the 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 common thread between these two is coaches who seem to misunderstand the situation. With with the Ravens, it was, you know, we're not afraid to play chicken. Like this, you know, going back to the preseason, it's like we're not afraid to play chicken with Lamar Jackson. Like if he doesn't want to sign a deal, we're not, you know – we're not going to do a deal in the middle of the season. And that's just the end of it. And it's like, okay, well now you're here. So, you know, he's going to sit out your pre, whether he, whether he's that injured or not, nobody knows, 
you know, maybe he is like I, nobody's seen him. Uh, you know, he's not he's not showing up and, you know, it, there's no pictures or anything like that. I'm not saying he's not, but I'm saying like there's you can speculate one way or another. And the only reason there would even be this speculation because the Ravens didn't pay a guy that they believed was their franchise quarterback, theoretically. So, you know, now what do you do? Because if you pay him now, you re- you show everybody that you were just playing hardball and that you believe in him the whole time, but you also look stupid for not paying him earlier. And then if you don't pay him, what are you going to do? Franchise tag him and trade him? Or, you know, are you just going to let him walk because he won't sign a franchise tag? Like, you know, that's another terrible situation. And then the Chargers just deciding to play. Because the Chargers, the Titans have the worst injury luck in the NFL over the past two seasons. The Chargers have the worst injury luck historically in the NFL. Like, they're just constantly a banged up team. And their receivers have always been very, like, very breakable. So, you know, Keenan Allen, I think, missed time early this year. I think Mike Williams did, too, if I'm not mistaken. And so, like, you know, you you, talk, you talked about Herbert, you know, them letting him play with, like, cracked ribs or cartilage or whatever that was, like, against the Jaguars the last time they played. And then Bosa got hurt, and they didn't really understand how to treat it, and he's finally back, it seems like. But, you know, it... I get that that whole lifestyle is we want to be aggressive, but again, you got to know the situation you're in. Like it's okay sometimes to admit that a game doesn't matter. And Mike Frabel has the same problem. If there's a small sliver of something that it might help, you know, it's, it's everybody all out. Thankfully the Dallas game didn't have, you know, anything to play for. And he said a bunch of the guys, you know, not that it mattered either way, but it's like, these coaches have to understand when it's okay to like pull off the gas late in the season. Like week three, I get it. Week 17 or 18 when there's nothing to be gained from playing your starters. I mean, if a wide receiver sniffs too much, I'm putting him on the, on the injury report as illness and I'm not playing him. So uh, it's just upsetting how stupid some teams can be and still stumble into the playoffs when the Titans are, supposedly as careful as they can be and they're still setting historic numbers of injuries yeah now i have to decide whether to root for the chargers or the jaguars like this is this this, this is my oh, personal hell easy, easiest thing in the it's world. the chargers right it's the chargers. yeah you you absolutely root for the chargers and yeah, you hope that yeah. bosa just reclaims like <laughs> like that he'd like sacks trevor lawrence by the hair and like just like parades them around, like you, yeah, you hope they dominate them. The the Jaguars don't deserve to be there, man. I'm sorry. I know they beat us, but they don't deserve to be there. They really don't. By the way, it, the Jaguars for that freaking fumble. The Jaguars are the same team. I mean, like not the same team. I shouldn't say, but they made the same mistake the Chargers did. They shouldn't get punished for it. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember. Like they, that. they they played all their starters. Like they they have they're the least injured team in the NFL. And they played all their starters in a game that didn't matter the week before they played the Titans. And it didn't bite them, but it's still a stupid decision. And so, like, they deserve to be punished for that, but we'll see what happens. We'll see. Uh, We'll be back next week, I think, maybe the week after, uh, to recap some of the games, some of the goings-on around the NFL and the playoffs, and talk about the upcoming draft and some more Tennessee Titans things as I assume they'll hire a GM within the next 
uh, two weeks, probably. It really shouldn't take too much longer. They really shouldn't wait too much. So we'll see what happens. And once we once we get some news, we'll be right back uh, to talk about it. So for Matias, for Will, thanks for tuning in. And remember to always stop the nonsense. Mm-hmm.